All right. What's up, y'all? Arya Masudi and Brett Nevitt joining you here. Um, it is Sunday evening, and uh, this is not our, our favorite type of podcast to do um, because um, it is honestly um, kind of still... We're, we're both probably still a little shell-shocked um, from the weekend, and I'm sure a lot of you are too. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of frustration. I'm sure there's a lot of disappointment, um, maybe some anger as well, and, and I'm sure some people are reacting, maybe overreacting. Um, <laughs> Brett and I definitely um, have gone through the, the motions today um, post-game of just kind of chatting it out and trying to, to figure out and make sense of what happened. Um, you are listening to Sunday Golds, by the way. Uh, but I think you already knew that if you hit, if you clicked play, um, we're going to keep it real with you. We're going to keep it as honest as we possibly can. Um, but we're also going to try and keep it in perspective because that's important as well. Making sure that we don't, you know, overanalyze the first six games of the season or jump to any conclusions because, and we'll get into this, um, baseball is one of the most, maybe the most volatile sport, um, that's out there. So, um, teams go on runs, they, they go through ruts, they, they go through stretches where you think they got no shot to make the tournament or to be even a good baseball team. And then they go through a couple weekends where you think they could beat anyone on any given day and win a national title and make Omaha and all that stuff. Unfortunately for Florida State this weekend, it was the first one. Um, swept at home by Pitt. And losing all three games is really tough. Um, and before I keep going, Brett, just your initial thoughts um, and just, I guess, feelings and emotions right now sitting here at a 1030 on a Sunday. Yeah, just disappointing, unexpected, um, frustrating, um, you know, just a lot of head scratching things um, from players and coaches, really, I thought. Um just a lot of guys looking lost in my opinion. Um, don't really understand what's going on. You know, you know, it's, it's been a long time for these guys since they've really played, but you know, it's been the same way for Pitt. It's been the same way for every other team. Um, you can't keep making that excuse. You can't keep bringing that up really. You know, that's just, that is what is normal now. Um, so, I mean, at some point it's just got, you just got to realize what your reality is. And this team has got to start to realize that, you know, we got to grind things out more than we expected probably. Um, but I mean, that's just what you got to do there. It's just hasn't seemed to be much fight. Hasn't seemed to be, um, you know, much of a spark from anywhere recently. Um, just disappointing all around. I thought this weekend. Yeah. And I remember specifically after, you know, last weekend saying that this, this series would tell me a lot, you know, about this team. Uh, the UNF series was not impressive, um, but I would take that in a heartbeat compared to what I watched this weekend. So um, I, I know I, I challenged this team. I thought, you know, show me what you got this weekend and we can kind of get by a lackluster opening weekend um, against a, a not great UNF team. Um, this weekend, this is as bad as it gets. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, barring getting swept by a team like UNF at home, getting swept by a team like Pitt, at home to start ACC play is pretty much the bottom of the barrel. Now, before we get into each of the games, before we get into the things that we thought were awful, um, and there were actually some positives this weekend too. Like I can't sit here and tell you that I was not impressed with certain areas and certain things. And we'll get into that because again, we're trying to keep perspective. 
And part of the perspective is that Mike Bell has Pitt on the right track. I mean, he has absolutely made a difference in that Pitt program. Um, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Mike Bell uh, has always been kind to me personally, um, just from when he was here as a pitching coach at Florida State. Um, he is a, he's a class individual, and there are a lot of guys on that staff um, that were former Florida State um, personnel, and some of them Florida State graduates. And so um, that Pitt program has been one that I've kept close tabs on over the years. Um, and Mike Bell has these Panthers a lot better than – um, they've ever been. Uh, Brett and I were talking, and Brett, I'll let you jump in on this. They have a much more veteran lineup and a, a much more talented pitching staff than we can remember. Yeah, I mean, I think going in, we realized that they had a really good lineup. We realized that it was a veteran lineup. Um, you know, when you have Bell coming in, you know pitchers are going to attack. Um, you know that he's going to have a good game plan ready to go. Um, you know, it just, I just, I think it's a good team, um, but. Like we've kind of talked about, not I mean off air, we've just talked about this is a good pit team, but this is still a bottom of the barrel ACC team. Um, so even though they're good, um, even though it's a veteran team, this is not one of the best teams that FSC is going to play this year. Um, and they didn't put together a good showing against one of the lesser teams they're going to play. So it's kind of where do you go from here? Do you restart? Where? Um, do you find a spark? Do you go? There's just there's not many other guys for Florida State to turn to, so it's kind of a situation where guys who are in there just got to find it, just got to start playing better. Um, you know, one other thing to put it in perspective is just the fact that Bell has either coached or recruited basically every single player that's on FSU's roster. Um, if anybody's going to game game plan well for FSU's lineup, it's going to be Bell. If anybody's going to game plan well. For FSU's pitchers, it's going to be well. You know, he he pitched. I mean, he was Connor Grady's pitching coach. Um, Kwiatkowski, Scalaros, um, who else? You know, Chase. There's a bunch of guys in this staff that he's either worked with before, worked with at camps. You know, he knows who these guys are. Nobody, not a single team FSU plays for this rest of the year is probably going to be as prepared from a strategy wise as as the Pitt and, and Mike Bell was this week. Yeah. And I uh, hope you're still listening to this podcast. Um, those of you who are angry, um, because here comes the that being said. <laughs> Here's that part. Um, man, if you can't beat Pitt once at home, um, a Pitt team that, you know, I just gave all those accolades to Mike Bell. Awesome guy. They're on the right track. They should be extremely excited about what they did. They haven't been home in a few weeks. They have been sleeping in hotels. Uh, this is I mean, a this is essentially a spring training. Going in, we thought this was the worst team Florida State was going to play at home in ACC schedule. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and I don't think that's really changed much either from from watching mm-hmm. them here. Not that we think they're bad, but it's just both can be true, right? Like yeah. they can be much improved, and still, this isn't you know a, a top of the half ACC team. Um, look, man, three losses. Friday, you lose a game, one zero. Saturday, you. I just think, no matter who you play, you can't get swept. No matter where you play, you can't get swept. And Florida State hasn't been swept since 2017. I don't care if you're playing Louisville or Vanderbilt or whoever on Western Mar- Illinois on Mars. Like I don't care where you play it. If you're a program with the tradition of a Florida State, um, and this falls on the coaching staff and the players, if this is the program that you want it to be, that you promised 
was going to be the one, that the tenure that won a national title, that things were going to be different, that, that, that you had op- all this optimism about where this program is headed and what you guys could have done after last year got cut off, then you cannot get swept uh, by anyone. You should not be swept by anyone, uh, especially not Pitt and especially not at home. I was really annoyed after they lost the series on Saturday. I had already said this weekend's a pretty big disappointment. And I told you, Brett, Sunday's going to be a big day for me just to understand, like, what does this team have as a fight and in the tank? And I don't want to say that they don't care because I don't believe that. I believe, I, I believe they care. I, I, I was do. still pretty optimistic um, through the first two games. Not optimistic, but just, you know, still had a reasonable outlook on, you know, what this weekend could be. Not that I'm not reasonable now, but just, you know, I still felt like there were some positives in that. You know, it's just two kind of fluky games. But, you know, the biggest thing to me on Sunday was it just seemed like there was not a a sense of urgency. Um, There wasn't a sense of, you know, this is a game we have to win. This is it wasn't it just didn't seem like it was hugely crucial to Florida State when in reality it's as bad of a crucial of a game as they're going to play this season in the regular season, in my opinion. Because at this point in the year, Brett, obviously, like records and stuff matter. But that's not what you're worried about, right? At the end of February is where your seeding is for a tournament or whatever, whatever, right? Like all of the different things that you could be worried about in the middle of the year. It's about your attitude, about the culture, and about like who you're trying to be. And for, for me coming out today, FSU falls behind 3 nothing. Um, and, you know, yeah, they, 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 they did a nice job of coming back a little bit. I just didn't see the, the energy. Like I didn't see guys – you know, pounding their chest and, 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 you know, motivating each other in that dugout and sliding into second base, looking up into the dugout and, and, and you know, doing a, a hand gesture, any, things like that. The, and, I, and I get that may not be the roster personality. The entire week, Pitt's energy was about seven times for the right. But what I'm trying to say here is for the culture of your season, of your program and of this current roster, there needed to be something that I wanted to see that kind of instilled, okay, so like, for example, FSU comes out today and wins 10 nothing, Or when they were up 7-3, to three, if they closed that away. out, or 8-3, 9-3, to three, nine to three, yes, I would have been like, okay, this weekend's still a major disappointment. But here's what FSU might be able to build on. Because baseball is one of those sports where one game, it can spark a five- or six-game win streak. The Duke game last year when they came out and just completely obliterated Duke in that Sunday game, it sparked something, right? Um I just didn't see it, and that's what has me most worried about this. We're going to get into the details of, of why FSU's not playing well right now, um, but that bothered, that bothered me today was that um, – and, I, and I'm, t- I'm talking to like I'm, – I'm looking at people like a Reese Albert and uh, you know, a Chase Haney and some of these leaders that have been in college baseball for a long time, and, and I know they care. I've talked to both of them many times. I know they care. I know that baseball means a lot to them. I know this program means a lot to them, but at some point – you've got to reiterate to the rest of that dugout and to the rest of them. And there's a lot of guys on this team that care. That's why, like, it was disappointing for me. Um, that's the word I'll use is it was really disappointing to see just the things that I think they could control that they didn't, in my opinion. Um, the energy, the, the focus, um, things like that. So, yeah, that's what bothered me about that, losing today, um, what was it, 9-7 in 13 innings, um, blowing a 7-3 to lead. Um, Haney was the one who gave up the the – you know, the two-run homer in the ninth to tie it. Um, he's someone who's so reliable. Like, he's so reliable in his career. So that was kind of a surprise to me a little bit. Um, and so, 
yeah, um, you can't get swept at home. You probably already, just to be honest with you guys, uh, a national seed probably, not that, you know, I'm going to even say that this team is capable of winning a national, of getting a national seed or anything like that. We're still in February. These are the types of losses, though, that when you look back on your resume in May, you kind of go, oh, black eye on the resume. And um, it's a bad one. It's a bad weekend. And you're also 0-3 now in ACC play, which means, just to give you guys uh, some perspective, you would have to, what, win series? If you won the next three series, correct, you would just be at 500 in the ACC? Or the next two series, you would be at... Next two. The next two series, excuse me, you would be at 500 in the ACC. So two series wins in a row, you feel good, and you're, you look up at the record, and you're 500 in Not the even. ACC. You'd still be four and five, actually. So I was right. Three series. Three series. To get over 500. I trusted a 21-year-old's math. I should have just trusted myself. Oh, yeah, you're right. Three series. I don't <sighs> know math. This uh, is why I'm a writing major. This is why this both point. of us are speaking and not doctors. Um, listen... Um, my main is my brain is really messed up right now. <laughs> after trying you threw, to do you that threw my confidence off, I said it confidently, oh, and I was like, "Wait, am I wrong? Am I an idiot?" Um, but yeah, uh, from a statistical standpoint, not good. Um, from a cultural standpoint, not good. Um, and there's a lot of work to be done. And I'm not going to sit here and say the good news is that you know it's the sixth game of the season. Yeah, great news. I mean, y'all don't care about that. Those of you listening. Don't, you're going to roll your eyes, right? Like if someone says that. It is true that it is just the sixth game and things happen. And that 2019 Omaha team um, I thought was dead. Like there was a point in that season where I thought that team was not making the tournament. We were joking about baseball NITs <laughs> and could FSU make that. Um, and then all of a sudden you beat Georgia and LSU and unbelievable. So the, the game of baseball is funny. So you never want to count anyone out, especially not six games into the season. But this weekend was an eye-opener, and it's because I think a lot of us thought this team would be better than, than the way they showed. And so, um, Brett, um, do you want to dive into to each of the games? You want to you you kind of talk game. about how these games played out? Because yeah. me and you agreed all three had different personalities and, and all exposed some, some major flaws. Yeah, well, I mean, game one, um, really good to see Parker and Messick back bounce back. Um, you know, that is one of the positives from the week that – you know, I think we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but um, just trying to remember here, um, play by play. I mean, Florida State. I mean, you lose a game one nothing, and you have a great pitching performance up and down the roster, um, and then hitting wise, nineteen Ks. I mean, twenty seven ounce in a game, and you nineteen of them your Ks. I mean, it's a common theme that's becoming a problem. Mike Martin Jr. wants to put pressure on teams, and when you only make them um, field eight ounce, I mean that that's the, not the definition of pressure. Um, four for thirty overall. Um, the real issues here are runners on base over ten, runners in scoring position over five, two ounce over nine. I mean, there's Florida State's lineup is a lineup with a lot of veteran guys, and there are no big hits being made. Um, two for 12 in advancement opportunities, moving runners over when you have less than two ounce. That can't happen. Um, you know, the pit gets back-to-back doubles at one point in the game, and that's all it took for them to win a game. That can't be what it takes to win a game. Um, Florida State was really good defensively that night. Florida State was really good on the mound. Um, you know, it was a night where Florida State was really good in a lot of ways and just really, really bad in one way, and it it, it just cost them. I mean, it's hard to overcome that many Ks, um, you know, especially in the big situations at the end of the game. Um, Florida State gets runners on 
uh, I want to say runners on second and third, um, runners on second and third in the sixth inning, and then your three, four, Robbie Martin, Elijah Cabell, two veteran guys, both K, um, back-to-back to end the inning. You know, you have bases loaded or two runners on second and third um, with with one out, um, and then you got Matthew Nelson in a 3-1 count, gets jammed on a fastball. Um, I think it was like 89 miles per hour, pops up to first base. Um, just unproductive outs. And then, and then for some reason, Nico Valdor pinch hits for Elijah Cabell, and he K's to end the inning with bases loaded. Um, the next inning, you leave um, two runners on base when the game ends on another strikeout looking. I mean, it's just so many opportunities left out there. Uh, some questionable decisions. I mean, there was just a lot in this game one that left you head scratching. The amount of K's, um, you know, 13 career K, I mean, 13 strikeouts for uh, pit starter Mitch Myers uh, was a career high. Um, you know, he had at least two in every single inning he threw. So it's just, they, they just weren't making guys work very hard the whole game. Yeah. Um, the theme for me, I think over the weekend too, was pitching Friday as good as the pitching has looked all season. Uh, Parker Messick, five innings, one earned run, nine strikeouts. And we'll get to the positives um, as well. Um, you mentioned 19 strikeouts. You have, you have been saying that this team will strike out. I mean, it's part of, part of the attack. It's part of some of the flaws that some of these hitters just have in their games. Um, I don't know. When I, when I hear that, I hear, okay, 10 to 12 Ks. I'm cool with it. It's a team that's going to strike out roughly about a third of the time, right? Maybe a little bit more of their, of their total outs. When you get into like 19 to 27 and you're above 50 and 60%, yeah, that's, that's not striking out. That's not a team that strikes out. That's a team that um, is having trouble putting the bat on the baseball in general. The biggest thing for me in game was was just your middle-of-the-order bats and your veteran bats completely letting you down, basically. I mean, you just two through five, I think you have one hit, um, 13 or so strikeouts. Uh, you, you just it's, – it's, you're never going to win games when you can't get production out of the middle – um, and especially you guys, you usually rely on, um, just, it's, it's crazy to look back at the box score and think back on this game. A lot of case, um, <laughs> man, are there yeah, a lot of, the case. thing is, I think Florida state going into this season was fine with the fact they had swing and miss and they knew it was going to be there, but it can't be there in the big moments. And it was kind of there every single big moment this week. And I think. You know, this early in the season, Mike Martin Jr. still wants to see what guys can do. He wants to see what guys can do in big moments. And I think from here on out, moving forward, you're going to see them start to do things where it's like, we're going to take the bat out of your hands. We're going to make you bunt. Um, you know, fans aren't going to want to see bunts, but fans also don't want to see strikeouts. So I think fans would like to see some runs. Right? So whatever, right. like for me, <laughs> when Matthew Nelson has a runner on third, um, runners in the corners, I think it was, Pitt's whole infield's playing back. You're down one run. For me, it was we should you should bunt here. I just thought, you know, don't even let the fact of I mean, it's just an easy way to get a run when you're struggling as a team. And I think if Florida State gets one run there, it kind of just you know you start to get some momentum as an offense. You get something going. You know, Nelly did show a bunt, but then he got up in the count, so he swung away. Um, and they just didn't take advantage of a fastball, which it seems like it seemed like to me that whole game. Myers was hitting his spots 
And when he didn't hit his spots, Florida State didn't swing. So if you can't take advantage of when they miss spots, then you're not going to do anything. I mean, you have to be looking for fastballs first or else you're not going to hit. And I just didn't think all week they weren't looking for fastballs. And I know for a fact that's not what they're coached to do. So for me, that, it does, that, that approach doesn't really fall on coaching for me. It falls on guys' mindsets in the box and trying to do too much or either pressing or just completely being lost at a point. Yeah, swing and miss, again, though, does not mean 19 strikeouts and 16 strikeouts. Like, that is, wow, that's, that's just miss. I mean, I don't even know that swinging implies that you might make contact. So it, what bothered me, too, Brett, a lot of the strikeouts, it's the most strikeouts looking I can remember seeing an FSU team have, like, in a weekend. There's just a lot of, like, guys just staring at 3-1 down the middle, 3-2, breaking ball. Um, almost like when they walk up, they are really frazzled by like what to expect and like what to anticipate. Is that an approach thing? Do you think, is that something that like they're trying to still get comfortable in a certain way that meat wants them to hit? Or is it guys just, I mean, can it be as simple as they're pressing and they look around and none of their teammates are able to, to kind of lift them up either. I just think it's kind of a mentality thing where, you know, you just got to trigger, you just got to go. You just got to, cause there were K's looking where guys would start to trigger and just hold up. And it's just like, just, just like, don't, like, I think Meat said it after today, don't be afraid to strike out. Um, you know, don't try to strike out, but don't try to not strike out. When you try to not strike out is when you're going to start giving away pitches, when you start um, you start to get those Ks looking. You know, he doesn't want them to be looking for walks. He doesn't want them to be looking to not strike out. He wants them to look to do damage, and it just felt like all week there weren't many guys trying to do damage, I thought. And I think that was a large theme of the weekend. Yeah. Um, and to me too, like when the pitching was good, the, the lineup just wasn't providing. And then when the lineup did provide something, the pitching kind of let them down. It just seemed like a lack of cohesion, uh, as a whole, um, defense for the most part, Saturday wasn't good, but, but Friday, let's just go into, you want to go into game two now to cover that part? I'm trying to figure out game one, if there's any other notes that I had written. Um, I have the Myers kid was fantastic. Let me give him his credit. Um, bases loaded in the eighth, two on in the ninth, leaving five on right in the final. I'll say, I'll say, final two innings. Pitts pitchers on on Friday, I thought were all very good, um, pro level arms. Um, but I mean, that can't be an excuse because you're going to face a ton of those arms in 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 um, the ACC the rest of the season. Um, you know, Mitch Myers was a guy that a couple people have, I've seen a couple bring, people bring up. Um, some people I've talked to um, said he's kind of like a you know a, a lower version of Brady Singer where um, you got crossfire, kind of a fastball that stays on plane um, with riding life, and then a, a good slider, um, you know, a little bit of a stiffer guy, but the ball kind of just jumps on you, and it just looked like Florida State was swinging under a bunch of fastballs because they were expecting it lower in the zone or didn't expect it to stay on plane. Um, it was just – he was just I – mean, he was just cruising through the whole lineup, it felt like. Um, kind of just felt like every time they got, they got up there that they were going to K kind of – at that point in the game. Yeah, okay, so game two, um, it actually took Florida State 16 innings uh, to get a run in this this series. Like, the first 16 innings, FSU was being shut out. Um, there was a time on Saturday I thought Florida State was going to get shut out back-to-back games. Um, and then, in, you know, bottom of the – was it bottom of the eighth? FSU gets a couple. But game two, 7-2 to two loss. Um, I thought <sighs> – 
Uh, I thought this was the worst game of the weekend. Yeah, Montgomery, Montgomery didn't have it. Um, and that's disappointing for me because we know his talent. He's out there 94-95 with a fastball. Uh, I texted Brett a couple times um, throughout that game. Um, his slider is gross. I mean, it is real. And Brett texted back, keyword when it's on. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, he just did not have any command. And Meek kind of sensed that early in that game. Um, unfortunately, the defense let Florida State down there. Nelson threw a ball in the left field, um, trying to throw the ball to third. And then it just kind of kept spiraling. And it just felt like, for me, Brett, in that one, um, that's when like I started to notice Florida State's energy completely being sapped, right? Like I, That was when I was like searching. I, kept, I think we were talking. We were standing outside um, on like the concourse of Hauser and going, this inning's important, right? Fifth inning, you got to get something here to kind of get yourself back. Sixth inning's really important. And you just never saw, like, the, there were a lot of innings where they just went down one, two, three, or they got one guy on, and in four batters, that inning's over. It just felt like they were kind of buried. Like, they just felt, it looked like they were just buried under the sand by Pitt, where they just, they just couldn't get out of their own way, really. Um, you know, early on in that game, um, after Pitt scores three runs, I mean, I think I tweeted, you know, Florida State's got to get runs here. You know, they got to get runs. They got to do something. Um, you know, you get... First and second, no outs, and you have a double play on a line drive. I mean, that's killer. But then you get another walk. Um, you get, still got two men on um, with two outs, and you K looking. I'm an inning later, two innings later, you do kind of the same thing and same batter. Jackson Green K's looking again, then it gets taken out of the game. Um, you know, they. I actually thought this game might have been the best approach offensively. Um, you know, they still K'd a lot, but there were. 10 hits, which, I mean, they And numerous seemed, other hard contact. Like, there was some hard contact being it made. It seemed like on this this game, they felt the most comfortable on the plate, but they still, I mean, they still had the swing and miss, and they just, I mean, they had a lot of a lot of easy innings for the starter, for Matt Gilbertson. Um, you know, looking back, I mean, looking back at this, it's just, this game never really, after that, once that error was made in the second inning, that game already felt kind of over especially with the energy in the ballpark and just the energy on the field. Um, I mean, just Carson just didn't have his release point at all. Um, just felt completely off, kind of looked off from the beginning. Um, you know, you, when you can't, when you're not playing well, you got to play, I mean, you got to play sound defense. And when that error put them behind the ball, that was just, it was, it just kind of spiraled. Like you said, I mean, one for 11 with runners in scoring position again. 11 guys left on base. They hit well in this game, but they just didn't hit situationally good in, well. I, yeah. It just, that is a game where they lost by five. Four runs are unearned, and you leave 11 guys on base. So it's a five-run loss, but really this was another winnable game for FSU, in my opinion. I'm trying to remember, too. Didn't Simmons have a ball go right through the wickets at yeah. first? Yeah, yeah, that, that led inning. to a run, yeah, and that was huge. Um, seven for 22 on advancement opportunities is, is God awful. Like yeah. three eighteen on, on, on advancement opportunities is re- really bad. Like really bad. We talked also about the pitching staff a little bit in the walks, um, how you were, you know, we we're both a little concerned with the high number of it last weekend, maybe chalked it up to first weekend jitters. Um, this one, eight more walks, um, by the staff in this one. Um, so Eight walks and seven of them came from, or I guess no, not seven of them, but a lot of guys still seven of them from the first three. Yeah, Montgomery, uh, Crowell, and uh, Ahern, and 
I actually thought Ahern was solid for the first two innings he came in there. He got out of a jam, I remember, when he first got called on. The fastball looked good. It was lively. It had His slider it was good. He didn't have awful command, in my opinion, either. It was just like the first sign of trouble that he ran into. Um, he just kind of melted down a little bit. But that was just kind of left what the fastballs Pitt, up Pitt twice. did all week was just they executed on their opportunities, it seemed like. And, yeah. you know, when Florida State was, was had any sort of sign of that they were struggling, Pitt just took advantage, and Florida State couldn't do that. And Anderson came in, I thought, did a solid job. I believe it was Jack who was on when Simmons made the error. Yeah, I believe uh, so I'm as pretty well. Sure, I'm pretty sure yeah. that was it. But anyway, um, those details are details, and um, FSU loses that one 7-2. to two. I'm still waiting on Montgomery to to kind of put it together. And I know he's a freshman and he's got to get starts, but, um, you know, this pitching staff has some different options. And um, if Montgomery, even if he's a top 35, you know, prospect coming in, maybe you're just not ready for it right now. And that doesn't mean you're not ever going to be ready or that you're not meant to be a a Friday or Saturday night starter. It just means like right now um, this team can't just lose games um, because you can't find the strike zone. Uh, And that, that just can't happen. Um, so decisions have to be made there by the uh, coaching staff. We talked about bases being loaded in the second. Um, we talked about two more on in the third inning, leaving two more on in the third. And it just was like early on they had some opportunities to do some things. And when they didn't cash in, the the dugout kind of, you could just kind of see, was dead. And by like the eighth or ninth inning, the entire dugout was was just quiet. Uh, I mean, that just, that's just like you're at home. And look, man, Florida State, I promise you, has one of the biggest crowds in all of the ACC in this COVID era. Like, they are, they are putting p- people in stands, and so there should be a home energy, and there are at times. Um, but you're playing in the friendly confines of your own park. Like, you're sleeping in your own bed. You're coming and, and, and getting to do BP um, while some of these programs aren't even able to get there until the day of the game to, to, to take their infield and to, to kind of measure out the outfield walls and, and play the different hops and all that. It just it can't happen, and then you and so so already, you and I chatted after Saturday, and we said, "This is not good, right?" Like like, you lost a series at home to one of the probably, and I say worst four, and we're gonna get into some ACC stuff because folks, a lot of things happened in the ACC this weekend um, to provide some context and perspective on how good the ACC is this season. This is not the ACC is always good, and there are some years it's very good, and this year it could be elite. The depth this year is unmatched of anything I've seen in a long time, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But you come out Sunday, and that's got to be the day. You got Grady on the mound. You know, like, like you've got your veteran. Pitt does a bullpen game. They don't even have their Friday night guy from last weekend available to pitch. There was some thought that maybe he could pitch on Sunday. He didn't, was not available per the TV broadcast. Um, you kind of had a, a big home run by Cabell that, holy crap, <laughs> He hit one that I, I'm telling you is the furthest home run probably hit at Hauser. Like I, I would be, you would be hard, you'd be hard to find one that was hit further. Um, I was in attendance when Schwarber hit the home run uh, for Indiana against Florida State that I think is still going up as it's leaving the the fence and right. But Cabell lost the ball in the Oaks behind center, and they measured it at 489. And I'm not sure that that was like like. There's no way to accurately measure that. I don't think even with Stat Track and and and, and Statcast or whatever you have or TrackMan. Um, we're not, gonna go find. We're gonna go. Not 100 percent, right? We're gonna go find the ball mark on the Leech Center roof, and we're gonna Tape measure measure-ment. how far You're away that was. And then we're gonna tell you how how far it was actually. Yeah, exit velocity of 114 miles off the bat, folks. Uh, Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball said that he did some research and 
um, the only people like in this era of being able to track baseballs and ve- exit velos like that um, in the major league level, a couple of guys named uh, Aaron Judge, Mike Stanton, um, Giancarlo Stanton. Sorry, Giancarlo. Sorry, Mike. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Braves fan. He's always going to be a Marlin, in my opinion. So I'll always give him some shit. But um, those are the only two people. Like, those are two of the only people that have hit a ball like that. So, Brett, when you're mentioned in that air of, like, how hard you hit a baseball, when people say it's an 80 out of 80 power on the scale, like, they're not joking. Like, it's not like they're hoping it is. Elijah Cabell has serious power. Um, So I actually thought when he homered, like, it felt like FSU was not back, but that was, like, what I've expected from FSU on this Sunday. And then it just kind of melted down. Yeah, I mean... For me, the first spark was Nelly's homer, and that ball was probably hit just as hard as Elijah's, and that thing was the line drive that really went right over dead center as well. Not dead center, but right center, right through the trees by the fence there too. You know, that felt like a spark, and then, you know, when Elijah homered, I kind of just felt like, I just felt like Pitt was kind of just starting to go to guys who they wanted to get some work. It felt like it was just about to be um, a 10-3 game or something like that where the game just kind of gets out of hand. And, you know, you just – Pitt's like, we won the series. Who cares if we lost on Sunday, you know? But then all of a sudden it was – all of a sudden it just – Florida State strands a couple guys. Um, you know, Pitt, the next inning goes – I think it was a, a single, a walk, and a double, with all with two outs. And it's kind of like the momentum's kind of just flipped, and Florida State could never, ever get it back. Um, you know, from the 7th to 13th innings, um, I think Florida State – had two hits or maybe three hits, and they had two one, two, three innings. Um, you know, Florida State only had three strikeouts after eight innings, and they ended up with 12. Um, you know, it just, there was nothing. There was no, there was nothing going for Florida State for a while there. Um, you know, I didn't love the decision to go to Chase Haney in the ninth, not because Chase Haney isn't a guy that has experience or can get a guys out, but it's just, you know, Meat has always said since he's been hired, he wants a guy with power to be his ninth inning guy. Um, Hunter Purdue was warming up for about three innings. Um, him and Haney are warming up next to each other, and it's just – it's been weird for me to see them not use Purdue in some higher leverage situations yet. Um, you know, he threw on Friday, and he was lights out, 96, Nin- 98. Yeah, 98. Are you kidding me? So it's just – you know, if you want to, you know what Chase Haney's going to give you. If right now in the season you are trying to figure out what guys can give you, go to the guy that is going to give you the best stuff, the guy that you haven't seen in that situation yet. Um, you know you know what you're going to get from Chase. Um, you know, not Chase's best. Chase has not been his best his entire season so far, I've thought. Um, and, you know, that it kind of got, it kind of bit him today. Um, you know, hangs a, Hangs a, you know, loopy slider, 74 miles per hour, right over the middle of the plate, and Popa just crushes it. Um, you know, the top few in the, that order are all really good. You can't make mistakes to them, and they kind of just made FSU pay all week. Um, you know, worst part of that game is, you know, bases loaded, one out, 12th inning. Florida State's got a chance to walk it off. First pitch, Tyler Martin, Tyler Martin grounds the shortstop, um, you know, and Florida State's out of the plate. Um I don't even remember what the next hitter did. Um, but, you know, Florida State goes scoreless there. Um, you just can't do it. Third and – tell you. You get a guy on third with less than two outs, you've got to score. You've just got to score. And, you know, it was it was the ways all week that Florida State lost that really just – it was just really aggravating. 
Um, you know, you have no offense on Friday. Um, you just you, there's no non-existent offense. Um, the next day, you can't. I mean, the next day really wasn't even a competitive game because you put yourself behind the eight ball in the first first few innings. Um, and then the last game, you you blow a huge you blow a four run lead um, with two veterans on the mound. I mean, Scalaro and Haney, and then you get four amazing innings from Bryce Hubbard, and he gets the loss because your offense can't do anything with four chances to walk a game off. I mean, you've got four chances where you need to get one run. At some point, you've got to score. You've got to score. I mean, it's inexcusable to not score for four, four innings when you can put pressure on pitchers. You can, you, it's, it is, it's just very frustrating, those last four innings. Um, and, you know, just the fact that, like I said earlier, it just didn't seem like there was much, much urgency in that dugout on that field. It just didn't seem like it was there. You know, you had the two homers. But, I mean, the two other runs FSU scored in that game, um, or I guess two of the other three runs they scored in that game come in um, the, the fourth inning where they get walked four times and Pitt makes an error. So it was not another – it wasn't really that good of a day at the plate, even though they scored seven runs. Um, six for 48 at the plate, 125 over, overall hitting. Um, bottom four in the lineup go one for 24. Um, one for 14 with runners in scoring positions. 0 for 15 with two outs. This is a situation where guys just are not, nobody is stepping up in a big moment, in a crucial spot with two outs, with guys on base. Nobody is stepping up. And that is the story right now. Um, so, I mean, there's not much other to, other to it than that. Yeah, I mean, it's, look, man, it's real stuff. I mean, it's, you gotta, you gotta do your job and, um, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be doing your job fairly, and I don't think people would take your work seriously if you didn't keep it real. And um, that's you know what you can expect from this podcast too is like we're going to praise this team, which we did all off season. Um, we're going to have the guys on the show and, and make sure people know who they are, um, and, and kind of you know their interests and and I'm getting to know them a little bit and being that connection to the team if we can. And um, that program's been gracious to allow us to to you know that they've played ball, uh, you know with with this podcast so um we have appreciated that but we also wouldn't be doing you know wouldn't be doing our jobs if you didn't call a spade a spade and right now this isn't this isn't good so FSC, i'll give you a few numbers that i mean kind of just show you the real story the whole story of the weekend i mean florida state's three for for 36 with two outs um with runners in scoring position they got two hits all weekend and i mean you go for 16, one for 16, and then two for 30 the whole week with runners in scoring position. Um, you know, 0 for 6 with bases loaded. Um, there's just, there's, Florida State just doesn't have anybody coming through in big moments right now. And when you have nine guys in ruts in big moments, it's going to be really tough to win games. Uh, at some point, that just comes down to players making plays. And there's not much you can do coaching wise when guys are not making play when guys are not stepping up in those big moments. Yeah, I think there was just a lot of, you know, expectation and comfort in knowing that you had Robbie Martin and Reese Albert in your lineup, right? And we pegged them as, you know, two guys that you could count on consistently from from beginning to end. Guys who would get drafted highly were all American candidates, preseason all Americans. And um Cabell's power, Nelson's, you know, versatility there. Um Robbie Martin's ability to get on base. You thought you had the makings of a solid lineup. Um, 
they just haven't been consistent. Like Robbie Martin, like I, I'm really confused as to the start that he's having. You know, four strikeouts in a game. I think it was Saturday. Four out of the five at bats. Like I, that's not Robbie Martin. Like that's not RobbieRakes.com. Um, that they coined him. Like that. That's a guy that I expect to hit 300 this season, and he still might. Like, I'm not saying that. That's. I mean, it's six games in. It's just. It's probably also a stunner to the rest of the lineup, right? Like when and Reese has had some moments. Like Reese has had has had a few moments. It's just not as consistent as I think even Reese would like. And as, as this team would like you, you look to guys right in that lineup that, you know, are going to kind of be tone setters and outside of Tyler Martin, in my opinion, I don't think there's really been a guy in the, in the lineup that's consistently put together good, you know, solid to good at bats. Um, Nelson has had a few moments here and there where we've talked about the potential that he has when he's clicking. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's probably a shell shock, man, to some of these other guys in the lineup too. Um, and in that dugout, and in the, co- I think even the coaching staff's probably surprised at the way it's gone. So, for the lineup, for me, that's what's frustrating is is not having your key cogs kind of be reliable in those situations. Like I want those guys going up and feeling good that this guy's gonna get on base. Like that's that's what he does. And um, again, it's a long season, and baseball is a game of you know, of, of ruts and of hot streaks. And I have no doubt in my mind, there's going to be like hit streaks for, for both Reese and Robbie at some point, like they're going to get hot. Cabell's going to probably hit five home runs in a week. One of these, uh, one of these weeks, Nelly's going to go hot for two weeks. Um, it's going to come together, but like, it's got to come together ASAP well, because you can't have what you had this weekend. Like you just can't, you can't have, you have another one of these, like you have any more of this type of weekend and it doesn't have to be a sweep, Brett. Like it doesn't have to be a sweep for it to be a, a really bad weekend. You're going to be in some trouble. Like you're going to be in some serious trouble. And we're going to be talking about yet again, a team that might be on the postseason bubble. If it happens again, Florida state was a team that desperately needed a big hit today and it just never came. And that's why it's so frustrating. Cause it felt like if they got that big two out hit that it could lead, you know, not just to a win, but like you said earlier, five or six, like just something that a team needs to get their mojo back. Like a team, needs to get their confidence back a team like it would it would not have changed the series outcome but it would have changed this team's mentality i think it would have made for a much happier you know meet in a press conference it would have made for a team that just felt like you know we're ready to click again um but it just doesn't have that feeling like it doesn't have it it's not an easy fix thing right now that's that is the big concern for me where it's this team does have swing and miss and right now you're not finding you're not finding contact you're not finding the big hits in those big situations and it's kind of like how do you there's there's not a way coaching wise to really change that it's players got to play better players got to be bigger in bigger moments yeah other you know downs that i had some some disappointments on the weekend just um yeah pitching staff for me as a whole has been a disappointment this season just relative to season expectations and what you know we we've seen in the fall and in the spring and what we expected to see. It just hasn't, it has not risen to the occasion the way that we thought it would. Um, I, I, I thought the pitching staff was good the first two days for the most part. And then Sunday was just a major disappointment. I mean, getting up, getting up seven, three, um, and blowing it when a game that you need, and it's mostly veterans out there, um, and then also just Connor Grady kind of putting you behind the eight ball veteran guy. Then when you need that big win, him putting them behind the eight ball a bit, um, was a bit disappointing as well. I thought, yeah. Um, 
Also, another one, uh, Grady today didn't have it. Um, was not down on the zone the way he was last weekend. Um, and he got, you know, they made him pay with some of the balls that he kept up in the zone. Um, how, he said uh, it was four extra base hits out of the six that he gave up. Um, they took him out after four innings, I believe. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, four plus. Left two on base, and Davis yeah. here came and kind of cleaned it up. Yeah, so um, those are some negatives. I think we've already touched on everything else pretty I'll, much. I'll, Do you I have mean, anything else you want to add? Just add one concern. I mean, these injuries are not good for Florida State. I mean, Tyler Martin with a hip flexor comes down halfway through Saturday. Doesn't start today, makes an at-bat, but really can't run at all. Um, you know, Matthew Nelson comes out in the fifth inning today. Meade says after the game he's got an injury. Um, if Florida State doesn't have Matthew Nelson for a while, they're in some big trouble. Not because Colton Vincent is a really bad player, but just Florida State has no depth because of injuries at catcher. Um, you know, Matthew Nelson is a guy that Florida State has been able to rely on both defensively for the most part and at the plate. So being without Matthew Nelson or Tyler Martin for any sort of extended period of time is going to make it really tough for this team to get going. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, we need to t- touch on some positives because I also, again, I think perspective is important and this is not going to be the podcast episode where we completely call it quits on the season. Um, there's a lot of baseball to be played, man. Like there's a lot of baseball left to be played. Um, let's start with uh, Parker Messick on Friday. Good for you, man. Seriously. Um, you, I know Messick's worked really hard um, to kind of have these types of outings. This is the outings. These are the types of outings we knew he could have. He had four walks, but I, I actually thought some of the walks seemed kind of strategic in a way. Um, it wasn't just completely missing and, and being you know, erratic. It was, there, was, there, was some, there was some madness to the method there on that Friday. Nine strikeouts. He was gross. Hitting his spots. Looked efficient at times. Um, good for you, Parker. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I thought Parker was really good, but Parker also hasn't been his best yet. I mean, Parker in three three outings in about like 12 or so, 10 or 12 innings leading up to the season had no um, one walk um, in scrimmages and stuff. I mean, Parker Messick does not usually walk guys when he's on, so I still think you haven't seen him at his best, but the stuff was really good. Stuff was ticked up, um, you know, really sat 92-94 for most of his outing. Um that for a lefty, um, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> that is what you want to see that's from Parker fr- Messick. That's a Friday guy. Like, that's the yeah. guy you go, give me your best. I feel good about what Parker's yeah. going to do. Yeah, when he's there, he's going to be pretty unhittable. Um, and I think once we see him in the zone even more, you'll see him throw more innings, um, extend some of these outings. And, um, yeah, it was good to see him start to get back on track. Let's stay, you know, in the in the pitching category. Um, one that I noted down um, – he didn't pitch a whole lot this weekend, but what I saw at Hunter Purdue, I was a fan. Um, anytime the heat cheat, you know, anytime the uh, the fire lights up on the the Hauser scoreboard and you see a ninety eight, you're working, man. And the slider is gross. The off speed's good. Um, he had the mentality to come in and, and kind of do his job. Um, and uh, Brett, I know you talked about him a lot this off season. You said that uh, coming out of JUCO, if he was healthy, he might not be at Florida State. Like that, he would get drafted. And you're damn right. This kid's going to get drafted eventually. Um, and he could even he could have even been a weekend starter this year, if, if not coming straight off Tommy John. But great to see him make his seminal debut and great to see him excel. Purdue is kind of a positive and a negative for me. Negative because through six games, having him only throw 1.1 innings, it, I just don't understand it. It can't happen, I don't think. I mean, he's one of your best three relievers. And, I mean, Florida State's been in high leverage games. 
Um, I, I guess, you know, you save him for some of those high pleasure spots, don't end up using him, but I, he's a guy that started um, back in, in Juco. I just think he needs to be a guy that gets used more um, for him to really start to show what he can be. Um, you know, but, but when he was in there, um, you know, electric as we expected. Um, you know, I really think he's a guy that can be up to triple digits at some point in his career, um, especially when he's a reliever. Um, he won't be here next year, I'll tell you that. He's going to get drafted. I mean, that stuff doesn't go undrafted. <laughs> you're no only matter. in college for one year, man. If you're draftable and it's hit, and you see a 98, yeah. I'm sorry, it's over. So, like, I mean, Florida State's got to use him this year. they got to use him. I mean, I mean he's got to start to get in these higher leverage situations. Um, you know, it's two good breaking balls, too. Um, it's not the sharpest slider, but it's got a ton of horizontal movement, and it's like 85 miles per hour. So, I mean, it's, 85 it's to 98, really gross like, stuff. Like, it's, it is really, really good stuff. And from what I've seen the last four or five weeks since the start of spring, he's been in the strike zone. And that was the concern coming in because, you know, that's kind of the last thing to come back from Tommy John just to feel for the strike zone. But it's been there. So I don't think there really needs to be a concern with him moving forward about the strikes. I just – and even – he's going to be one of those guys, even when he walks guys, he's not going to give much up. Because you're just not going to hit him that often. And then, uh, yeah, definitely. He needs to pitch more. No doubt about it. Um, others that I had uh, staying on the uh, the pitching theme. Um, good for you, Bryce Hubbard. I know you gave up. I know Bryce gave up the um, the lead, the go-ahead. Was it was a two-run double? I think yeah. it was a double. Um, and Kwiatkowski came in and did a nice job. And uh, Davis Hare came in and did a nice job. Um, let's start with Bryce. Um, because nine strikeouts <laughs> in limited innings. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that swing and miss stuff that you were, you were writing about, it's real. Bryce Hubbard, in my opinion, needs to start next weekend. Um, he's been the best pitcher on staff so far, I think. He's looked um, – you know, Bryce was a guy this weekend that brought energy. When he's on the mound, he brought energy tonight. Um, you know, it didn't feed off to other guys, it seemed like, but he was bringing some real energy. He was – it just seemed like Pitt's, Pitt's hitters were just defeated as soon as they got in the box. Um, you know, dominant fastball. Um, he's been in the zone mostly. I mean, he's just a completely different pitcher this year than last year. He's starting to look like what they expect out of him. Um, it is, it, he's a guy that has earned the, the opportunity. I think he should be. I don't think – I don't know for sure if he's going to start. I'm not saying he's going to start. I'm saying I would start him. He's earned it. Um, and, you know, I think he's a guy that they can count on this season so far. Yeah. Uh, I was impressed, and Davis was another one, you know, as as we mentioned, and good for him. He, he his is always he's always been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde pitcher. I, like I, when he's on, when he's on, that stuff's like one of the top, you know, grossest stuff on the team. Um, and when he's off, like he can get hit pretty good. But he was on, he was on this weekend. That was his best outing at Florida State, and honestly, that was one of the better outings for Florida State pitchers all year. Um, you know, ends up with two runs on his line and two point two, but that does not tell the story of what he did today. I mean, comes in with two guys on base, no outs, strikes out three guys. Um, goes eight pitches with a strikeout and a one, two, three inning next innings. Gets two outs really quick. And then, you know, kind of a slow hit ball through the right side of the infield and then a walk and he's taken out and both guys score and kind of a misplayed ball in left field. So, you know, when Davis Hare is on with his splitter, which is a pitch that can be, you know, just the pitch in general, not just Davis's, but a pitch that can be on and off. Uh, when he's on with that, he, he is really good, like really good. And this is this is the type of stuff they expected from him when he came from uh, Juco. Kwiatkowski, I'm going to give him credit again. 
He has yeah. come in, and I had a buddy text me, when did Clayton Kwiatkowski become a strikeout guy? And I'm like, it's amazing what you do when you're uh, throwing first pitch strikes, right? Like, when you come in and you're up 0-1 in the count, I don't, I don't think it really matters, like, what you have, like, in your arsenal or what the level of stuff is. If you can consistently throw strikes you're going to be able to get college hitting out. Like, college hitting sucks, like, comparatively to, like, the next level. Pitchers, I actually was having a conversation with Haney about that last year, or two years ago. Maybe it was last year or two years ago. And I asked him, like, about maturation as a pitcher and stuff, and Haney was saying, Chase said, it's, it's amazing how you learn that opposing hitters will get themselves out. Like, you don't have to do too much. Um, and I actually learned something from that day from talking to Chase. But, like, it applies to, to Kwiatkowski. He comes in and he throws strikes. And when you're down and when you're up 0-2 in an account, he does have good enough stuff to put away people. Yeah, Clayton's just been, you know, kind of just like um, throw the ball, catch the ball, throw the ball, catch the ball. Just like catches the ball, gets right back on the mound, attacks hitters. Um, you know, he can he's he has pitch ability with all three of his pitches. Um, I mean, he's just he's been lights out so far this year. Um, four innings. Um, I thought Florida State should have used him on Sunday. Um, you know, only 24 pitches on Friday. They could have gone back to him, I think. Um, I think you could see potentially Clayton either start or go a few innings in the midweek game um, to eat up that most of that game. But, I mean, he's just been really good so far this year. Been one of those veteran guys that has stepped up so far. Yeah. And then uh, another positive for us, um, let's, let's go to the hitting. Uh, nice to see Elijah Cabell, first off, get back into action. Um, it was really nice to see him hit one to Thomasville, Georgia, um, today. And, uh, he had a couple of other base hits though, man. I thought he actually showed a solid approach at the plate. He was, he's going to strike out a ton though. Y'all like it's going to be 40, 50% of his at-bats are probably going to end in case. Um, it's what you do with the rest of the at-bats uh, and he does damage. I mean, and, and we knew he would do that too. I think Brett, like the home runs would come. And I, I joked, he would probably hit five in a week coming up, like at some point, And he probably will, but I was actually impressed with a couple of the base hits, had some to the pole side, had a couple uh, – I think he had one opposite field. I'm trying to remember. Um, and he had a couple of walks too, I think. It, it, Cabell, Cabell showed some positives to me this weekend overall. I think he's going to have some major step forward um, this year from his first two years. Um, you know, just from what I've seen in his ABs, um, you know, the strikeouts will still be there, but I don't think it's going to be as bad. Um, you know, if you take away opening day, his you know, first live action where he went 0 for 3, 3Ks – rest of the weekend he's four for nine with three k's so and i mean how many walks did he have two three walks um you know elijah's gonna do a lot of things for this team i mean after one week it is three games but his ops is over a thousand um you know he's gonna give you those homers there's not gonna be i mean he just puts fear in, in opposing pitchers um i mean i wouldn't i mean if he hadn't before once uh, this uh video of him by the way has gone viral now uh, as of tonight you've gotten all of the mlb you know junkies all the uh professional podcast guys that are excited about elijah cabell's raw power like it's gone viral if you haven't seen it you're going to by the time you listen to this podcast or shortly after man if you didn't have the fear of god put into you by that hit if you're a pitcher and you go in there man do not do not okay brett 87 down the middle of the plate are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Why? Like, what, what was the point of that? Because Elijah Cabell's going to send that uh, to a different planet. Anyway, back yeah, to you. But Sorry, back to you, Brett. Very good. But it's just good to see him get some confidence week one. Um, you know, the ability's always been there. It's always just been kind of, you know, can, like, how is Elijah going to let himself, 
how is he going to start to get it op- get that talent to open up and really start to show on an everyday basis? And in the last two days, I really thought they were really good days for him. I mean, it's just he thought he was the best player, best hitter in, in FSU's lineup by by a good margin. Yeah, um, good to see Cabell back, and uh, hopefully he stays healthy and uh, continues to try and be a, a positive in that seminal lineup. Um, fielding as a whole is what I have here. Um, I put in parentheses, not Saturday, <laughs> um, <laughs> but two out of the three games. Hey, man, no errors twice. Okay, I can work with that. Yeah. Uh, is that three of the last four games, no errors? No, those are the first two this year. Um, we didn't have any Did non-error. Did they have any no non-error games against UNF? No, I think it was one, two, and one. Um, uh, and then, but I mean, 972 fielding percentage for Florida State, that's really good. Like that, that is above what we expected. Um, Nander DeSantis has been really, really reliable in the field so far. Um, 950 fielding percentage has really made things, has really made things look easy out there pretty much. Um, you know, double play continues, continues to be a strength for them on the infield. Um, you know, I just... I mean, Matt Nelson's throwing guys out still. I mean, he's only given up one steal on three attempts this year. Um, I mean, not the hugest, not the largest sample size, but and the, and the, steal, the, the fact st- that teams don't want to throw on him shows what the arm strength is. I thought that the stolen base, too, he put a pretty good throw. Yeah, it was right money. on the money. It's yeah. just, a snap tag, I think, by DeSantis would have got him. Um, but Nander, like, came forward yeah. a little bit. I don't know. Anyway. Um, it's a really good... Out of a weekend of a lot of bad development uh, developments, it's a, it's a really good development so far, and it's a it's a bit of a glimmer for some hope here. Yeah, I mean, actually being wrong on the stat helps my point. It boosts the point I'm about to make. When's the last time Florida State had two zeros put up in the error column in a weekend? Um, positives, folks. Take a, take what you can get. Um, this is not a silver a silver lining. Uh, that, that that silver linings are actually worth something. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll take it. And if they can continue it, the question is consistency, right? Like, can you do this again next weekend? If you can, might be the uh, foundation of, of something that you could work with. Um, because I think you and I are still high on this pitching staff of what it's, what it's going to eventually turn into. I don't think, you know, the lineup I think will hit at some point. I feel I'm pretty good about, about it. The, I'm worried about the depth of the lineup. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm still confident that the pitching staff is going to start putting together some better numbers. Um, as yeah. the season goes along in a larger sample yeah. size. And I'm, I mean, I'm confident that Robbie Martin gets going. I'm confident Reese Oliver gets going. Um, same with Dylan Simmons, really. Um, you know, you got to get healthy. You got to get Martin and Nelson healthy. Um, that's crucial. And then, yeah, I just think this pitching staff is, is much better than it's shown so far. Um, I mean, we didn't even see Brandon Walker this weekend. Um, you know, uh, who else did we not see this weekend or didn't see much of? I mean, you'll still see some good things. Um, don't really know who's who's going to start the midweek this week. Um, thought it was going to be Hubbard, but he came in late in the game there. Um, could be McMullen, could be Anderson, um, could be a few different guys, could be opener situation. But I think it will be a good example of what this staff um, has for the long run. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to touch on about this weekend? Because – um, I'm ready to talk about some ACC a little bit, and um, well, I mean, just the thing yeah. that we're about to talk about. I mean, just take. Oh yeah, just, I know it still correlates. Like, yeah, yeah I don't plan I mean, on not having it. Yeah, but I just gonna, back anything else from the three games that you really want to touch on. I feel like we we were fair. I think we were honest. Um, I don't think we were too harsh, and I, and I don't think we were too easy. So, um, I mean, 
mean, yeah. And honestly, for me, the the sooner we forget this happened, the better. Like, I'm ready to, yeah, ready to move on. <laughs> I mean, the thing this is, better be an anomaly, man. This has yeah. to be an anomaly. Like, I got to look at this in May and be like, man, what the hell were we doing <laughs> in the end of February? Because if I see this stuff in May, Brett, I don't know what I'm gonna do, man. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do. I've put my heart and soul in FSU baseball since I was ten. Like, uh, don't do this now. But, um, yeah. You good with it? Yep. All right, let's talk ACC baseball. Part of the reason we wanted to talk a little bit more about ACC this week, too, was because this league is really good, and we alluded to it earlier. Uh, I just want to give you some some results. Um, I'll start with the one that's not really that impressive, but it's still impressive to me. Louisville lost to Western Illinois, so I just wanted to point out that um, that does happen. Like, that that does happen. People lose games to teams that are they are far superior than. Not the same as losing three to Pitt. I understand. Um, Miami. Lost a series to Virginia Tech at home. And if you want to go from on top of the world in one weekend to, damn, what just happened? <laughs> VT coming into your house and beating you two out of three. Again, not as bad as Pitt beating you three times. But still, VT's right there in that like thick of the bottom half of the ACC. Miami was ranked number one, y'all, by collegiate baseball. They laid an egg this weekend. It happened. Um, NC State, a lot of people overrating them huh i wonder why they do that they do that shit every year uh nc state is overrated every single year i'm telling you man we joked about this they'll start 15 and 0 and uh somehow they'll melt down um i don't know what i don't know this you know they're not they went 0 and 4 this week folks swept at home by georgia tech and lost to north carolina greensboro uh uncg in the week um so nc state 0 and 4 this week rough week for the for the pack um notre dame link jarrett shout out to a former seminal he wins a series on the road at Wake Forest. By the way, Wake Forest found out they lost three key pieces for the season, including their uh, one of their weekend rotation guys, uh, Menendez. Uh, Virginia lost a series at UNC, um, top 10 Virginia team. Um, Duke lost a series at home to Boston College. So, that- so if Mike Bell and, and Link Jarrett both won this weekend as former Seminoles, does that count as wins for us? I don't think that's I'm gonna, reaching. Yeah, I, I think you're trying to make the make the fans feel better, and I don't think it's working, truthfully. Um, that's okay if I mute his mic, right, guys? I mean, that's fine. Um, but the point is, uh, the ACC this year, um, it could be top to bottom really tough. And not to say that Pitt, losing to Pitt three times, um, this point would have been better if FSU had just lost twice to Pitt, you know, and just lost the weekend series to make this point because – Getting swept by Pitt is the worst result of the weekend by any ACC team, including NC State. Um, I, th- I think this is a league that but yeah, could have a good. lot of good teams, but no, like, great team. Like, a team that just runs away with it. Like, I know a lot of people expect that out of Louisville, but, you know, Louisville's kind of up and down so far. I mean, I mean, a lot of people are. I mean, it's, it's not just ACC. I mean, Ole Miss – loses two out of three games to UCF and had to walk off one of the other ones to not get swept. Um, you know, a lot of top teams lost again this week. I mean, wasn't it Friday that five of the top yeah. six lost? It was a day that it was one of the days Florida state lost. Vandy lost to Georgia state. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this isn't going to make anybody feel better. It's not going to make but, you feel better. I'm trying but to give it's you guys just perspective. An example of it, there's not much normalcy so far through the first couple of weeks of, of 2021 college baseball season, I think. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Virginia series, and we'll do a different podcast to kind of preview that. Um, UVA is a proud program, and um, yeah, next weekend's big for Florida State. The ACC's not easy. 
And you know, starts you, with Mercer on Tuesday, man. right? And I'd like to. I think uh, tone setter would be yeah, nice. You, you, need, you need someone to set a tone. It's gotta be. Yeah, and like we mentioned, one game, one game can kind of spark a winning streak. It always has. It's baseball. It does that. And hey, um, one win is a winning streak, technically. I guess it is. And you know, Virginia lost that series at UNC, so you know that their coaching staff's going to try and have them locked in um, when they play Florida State. Great. So, yeah, no, it's going to be it's going to be a big series in Tallahassee. Um, Probably at one point, people thought it would be a top 20, top 15 series that has definitely, I mean, FSU is not going to be ranked. We'll see if Virginia is still ranked, um, depending on you know what poll and where they were. But if they are ranked, nothing makes you feel better than a series win against a ranked team to kind of get yourself back on track. But again, we'll talk about the Cavs uh, later this week in a different pod. Um, the ACC, really good. FSU is going to have to bounce back. And uh, yeah, I wrote down one more note about similar series that made me feel like this um, series loss at Virginia tech one year. It was like 2017. It was, uh, it was winning the first game and then losing the second game and then losing Sunday, 17 to nothing. That was one of those, like it's where I felt like the team was just lethargic and didn't care and just let them let a bad team pile on them. Um, getting swept by North Carolina at home was tough. It was a good North Carolina team, but it was one of those moments um, back in 2017 where I was like, you shouldn't be getting swept at home by anyone. Uh, and then 2019, losing the series to a not-good BC team at home was tough, too. Um, but I also made the note, none nearly as bad as this series sweep to Pitt at home. Um, so definitely want to make sure that, that that doesn't get lost. But new opportunity for Florida State. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, as always. We're going to keep it real for you um, every episode. We'll praise them when, when they deserve it. And, you know, when we got to call out what's not working, I think uh, I think we wouldn't be worth listening to if we didn't um and uh yeah hopefully the team provides some some better games coming up here for us to be in a good mood again um and, and talking fsu baseball with you all hope you guys have a great week please uh subscribe to our podcast apple pods uh spotify google pods leave us a, a review please if you could give us five stars that would be great um leave a comment let us know ask us some questions um i probably should have tweeted that out today and that's my bad for not um, tweeting out, got any questions? I'm sure the uh, mentions would have filled up uh, today. Right we'll after, we'll do the a game. mailbag midweek after after Mercer. How's that sound? Yeah, or do it. You know, send us some questions this week, and and we'll try and touch on it in the Virginia preview that we do um, later on this week. But uh, make sure you're following us on uh, on our Twitter as well. Um, I should probably give you the email um, that we have. It's uh, SundayGoldsPod at Gmail dot com. SundayGoldsPod at gmail.com um, or you know tweet at us at SundayGolds and uh, again you can follow Brett and myself at BrettPN at Arya Masudi on Twitter and uh, again I said it before but I appreciate your listenership um, it's been cool to kind of see the number on the numbers on this thing grow and uh, long season folks we got 44 of them left scheduled so uh, a lot of FSU baseball to talk about should be a wild ride and uh, we will talk to you soon